1: Welcome to WTIC's Pet Talk. Today, Lori Fast takes your pet behavior questions. This is a show for you and your best friend. Call in now at 522-WTIC, 1-800-966-WTIC, or star WTIC from your cell phone if you have AT&T Wireless. And now, Pet Talk.
3: Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of Pet Talk. You're listening to the Behavior Edition. My name is Lori Fass, and if you've tuned into this show before, you may be familiar with its kind of unusual format where um, I alternate the shows with Dr. Dennis from the Bloomfield Animal Hospital. And, of course, when she's on, that's the medical edition of the show. But I'm not aware of uh, any other show that's on the air here, maybe someplace else, I don't know, but certainly here, that uh, alternates um, who's doing the show and that the theme of the show is still about you and your pet, but there's a little bit of a different slant to it. Uh, My area of expertise is not medical, although there are certain things that I know just from long-time experience with a lot of my own pets and other people's stories, but uh, mainly uh, I give advice on behavior. And I've had a lot of experience with that. So if you want to call in and you want to ask me a question on the air, I'm always happy to hear from you. Uh, Sometimes people call in, they want to share information that they think it's important for other people to know, either their own experiences or uh, just something that they've learned, and that's always great, too. So if you have anything like that, uh, the lines are open. I'm here until about 2 o'clock, and the numbers here are eight six zero five two two, wtic And uh, just to give you kind of a heads up, uh, next week will be the medical edition of the show. And then the following week, which is the first week of um, June, there there is not going to be a Pet Talk show. There's going to be some sort of sports programming, which I'm trying to figure out what it is. I should know this, but I'm a little slacking on being up to date with what sports things are coming up but there's no show on the bottom line there's no show the first week of June but then uh, the next three weekends there will be pet talk and we're I'm just kind of working it out with uh, Dr. Dennis right now as to who's going to do which one to see make sure we both have uh, appropriate availability because you know life still happens and I try and revolve your life around getting to TIC to do this show, but sometimes other things happen and, and it can't be done. So so that's a little up in the air right now. But when I do know, I always post the dates on my website, which is lauriefassdogtraining.com. And so if you do want to know when I'm going to be on the air, as soon as I know, I put it up there. So I had an interesting experience on Friday. And on my website, I do have a link to poison control. And I think it's a good number to call, although you should be aware that if you call this number, uh, they if they're going to talk to you, they want you to pay them $85 with a credit card. And, uh, you know, I I think it's a very good resource. But the experience that I had on Friday, I don't know if I, I called them for one of my dogs. Okay, so this is what happened. Uh, I have a dog who's very sick and he needs help eating and I feed him using a turkey baster. I use pureed food. Um, He has uh, cancer in his mouth. He is not able to eat efficiently and so I help him by doing that, which means I have three, well, now two, turkey basters laying around. Well, my youngest dog thinks that if something falls on the floor, obviously it was a gift to him, and, you know, that's fun times for him. So somehow or another, one of these turkey basters fell on the floor, and— I'd probably lean towards maybe my cat, you know, how cats like to get up onto counters and just whatever is up there, they just knock it on the ground. So she's not helpful with things like that. So let's just say that my cat knocked it on the floor uh, because I will give my dog credit for he won't get up on a table and take something off of there. But if it's on the floor, yeah, not so much. So anyway, he got a hold of the turkey baster and he chewed it to smithereens, splinters of plastic turkey baster everywhere. Well, I was out when this happened. So uh, when it was finally called to my attention, it was we're getting on about maybe an hour and a half, possibly even two hours from the time that he crunched up this turkey baster. And I'm trying to pick up all the little shards and see, you know, how many shards I have here versus how many shards maybe he ate. I don't know Uh, what size shards he ate. I have no idea. So I Okay, I'm going to call poison control. So I explained what happened, and um, they told me that um, I asked, well, should I try to induce vomiting? They said no, because you're getting – there's kind of a window. If if you need to induce vomiting for something that your dog swallowed, then if you go too long after the fact of when they ate this – um, then it's no longer going to be helpful because it's going to be too far down into their digestive tract. So I remember uh, years ago I had a dog that ate some Brillo pads and um, I induced vomiting immediately because I saw it immediately. Um, and so that works out very well to get out to expel whatever it is. But there are certain things you do not want to induce vomiting for if it's going to cause some sort of problem On the way back up. So, I guess, you know, this may or may not be sharp in there. We don't know what's going on. So, no, we're not going to induce vomiting. So, what should I do? I say to poison control. Well, you should bring them to the vet. And I go, okay, well, what's the vet going to do? Um, well, the vet will give them an examination. And I thought, yeah, okay, that's well worth $85 right there. And I go, well, what do you mean? What, what might they do? What do you think they would do? Uh, okay, well, they could do an endoscopy, which is basically a tube that, you know, goes down their throat and you can kind of scope around and see what's in there. Okay, well, they could, but guess what? That has a, and this they did not tell me, but I knew this. There's a time limit to that. You, You know, you can't, doing the upper GI endoscopy looking for something that's supposed to be in the upper GI after too many amount of hours have gone by cuz it's not going to be there anymore. So we're getting pretty close to the timeline here. So I'm not, yeah, I don't even know if that'd be any point in that and an endoscopy is you know, it's not the most invasive procedure, but you know, you're looking at at least a th- another thousand dollars. That's that's bare minimum, probably more. And, and the, you know, the poison control didn't happen to point this out either. Um, that, uh, Not all veterinarians have that equipment. You can't just go to any veterinarian and say, hey, why don't you give my dog an endoscopy? They're not going to have it. As far as I know, right off the top of my head, and I have to double check this, uh, there's a vet clinic in Windsor that has um, that sort of stuff. Possibly Piper Memorial has it. I don't know. But just – Heads up here, you may want to do a little research to find out what vet clinics have what if you are in a position where you really do need to do this. Because when dogs ingest things, it can get very, very serious. I know dogs who have died from ingesting, well, one dog ate a peach pit, and you wouldn't think that is a killer thing, but the dog actually died from this because the peach pit somehow became embedded at some point in their digestive tract and it was quite serious. I know another dog that died. Uh, from eating pantyhose. And the pantyhose just twisted all around its digestive tract. So, you know, I mean, I I certainly had cause for concern. And then they said, well, they could also do uh, uh, an x-ray with barium and they could do that. I was like, oh boy, okay. Yeah, they could do this. They could do that. Um, But then I said, well, is there something I can maybe uh, give my dog to eat? Oh, no, no, you can't. Okay. So I hang up the phone and now I'm kind of at a point of dilemma. What am I going to do? Am I going to run to the vet, um, possibly do all sorts of procedures that might not even be helpful? And so I made kind of an executive decision. And what I did was I gave my dog about half a can of pumpkin and a couple slices of bread, which basically is going to bulk up what he's got in his stomach and make it easier to pass whatever little pieces of whatever. And I remember when I was talking to them on the phone, they were asking me, well, does he seem to be acting uncomfortable? He wasn't acting uncomfortable in the least little bit. He he was acting like he was thrilled with himself. He got a real great prize, scared the bejesus out of me, and he was having a fine old time. And that was Friday, we're down to Saturday. He's still having a fine old time. His poops look normal, he's not throwing up. So when a dog has you know ingested something, you know, there's other symptoms that are going to come up that might be signs of distress, and uh, you know, again, not my area of expertise. But I was like, so I don't know what I expected poison control to tell me, but um, whatever it was, I was expecting them to tell me. They didn't tell me it. And then I had another experience with them. Oh, this was a few, this was oh, probably. Oh, I'm going to say maybe 10 years ago, where one of my dogs decided it would be a real fun idea to eat an ant trap. You know, those little, uh, they're metal, they look like round discs. And inside is this sort of like waxy stuff that ants are supposed to eat and supposed to bring it back to their hive or nest or whatever, wherever ants live. (laughs) And it's supposed to get rid of the ants. And so anyway, my dog got a hold of it and, and ate some of it, not all of it, but you know, I could see teeth marks, definitely ate some of it. And in this case, poison control actually was kind of comforting because they wanted me to get the tin and tell them what the serial number and the brand and all this information and they had it all logged and cataloged and they looked it up and they said, oh, well, you don't have to worry about that. Uh, the worst that'll happen is your dog will get a stomach ache. So you don't have to do anything. Don't even worry about it at all. And I, oh, okay. Well, that was comforting. And then a, a, upon reflection, I thought to myself, and that's probably why it's also not killing the ants. <laughs> but they probably a bunch of little ants with a bunch of stomach aches crawling around still causing mischief. But anyway, I just wanted to share my poison control story. So I want you to know that there is such a thing as poison control and, you know, just because I felt frustrated with my last experience does not mean I would want to discourage anybody from using it because I think they can absolutely give you life-saving information. And if your dog ate something weird, you really need to take it seriously. Um, But anyway, (laughs) uh, that's all I have to say on that and we have to go to a break, and we'll be right back.
0: Run, be just as you are.
3: Why? Hello, and welcome back to WTIC's to Pet Talk. On. You're listening to the Behavior Edition with Lori Fass and... I'm just coming back from a break and I see that I have three callers. I have Joe, I have April, and I have Tim in that order. (laughs) And so I'm going to go right to them and see what I can do or see what they want to say. So let's try Joe. So I don't know what's going on. We put Joe on the ear, but something's not right. So sometimes when people call, they accidentally put their own phones on mute. So I don't know if you're doing that, Joe, if you're putting us on mute or not, but uh, I think what I should try to do is, Joe, you call right back, but I'm gonna go to April, and I'm gonna hang up on you, Joe, (laughs) okay? And call back, all right? Hopefully you can hear this. All right, so we're gonna try hanging up on Joe. All right, now we're gonna try April.
0: Hi, April. Hi, Laurie. I hope you can hear me. I can hear okay. you. Yay! Wonderful. <laughs> I just I wanted to call. I wanted to call and thank you. I'm the one that I kind of I had talked to about my the Gordon Setter that was trying to like play so hard he was eating my cocker spaniel. Yeah. And I called. I talked to you last fall, and you gave me the suggestion of using the drag line um, yep. and have a lead in the house.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, but we we did that as well as we went to a collar that had um. A zap, a vibration, and a sound. Okay. The sound, the sound works better than anything with him. Okay. <laughs> and all we have to do now is he's got the, We still have the lead on him in the house. And if he starts to get a little too rambunctious, we tell him we, we he associates the real sharp no with just picking up the remote even if it's not on. Okay, And he's like, oh, he backs off, and Uh it works wonders. Oh, good. And so that's, like, really helped, and I thank you very much. And uh, he's still exuberant. He still has a ton of energy, and we make sure we wear him out and (laughs) take him for his good runs. Um, But it's really nice to have that backup. So Um,
3: is your uh, Gordon Setter now being more or less civilized with the
0: uh, Cocker Spaniel? Um, definitely, um, okay. he still wants. He still wants to assert um, dominance in, at times, but he himself is not a dominant dog. So, I think we have taken him to the dog park. If it's a puppy, he wants to breed it, and we have to back him off. And I have to get him under control, and I get him on right. I mean, right away under control because I can pretty much do anything to him. He's just a lot of dog, um, but. He wants to run. He wants to play, and he's great when he's like. If something just gives him one little um, correction, and they give him either a little growl or a little bark at him, then he bats. Even, a, even the smallest terrier, or the smallest terrier, can tell him what's what. And he's like, okay, let's run, and he's best buddies. Oh, good.
3: Okay, well, you know, I mean, sometimes you have to try different things, and what works for one dog absolutely will not work at all for another dog. And sometimes it even surprises me what things will work for dogs and what won't. Uh, I can make a good educated guess because I've had a lot of experience with a lot of dogs, but you you never know, you know, but I'm glad you tried some different things and it worked out. That's great news.
0: And thank you. Your suggestions really helped, and I thank
3: you for um, the advice. Well, great. I'm happy to hear it. Happy ending. <laughs>
0: you, um, have
3: a wonderful day. Okay, you too. Take care now. Bye-bye. Thanks. Okay, so now we're going to see if I can pick up. Well, let's see. We have Joe back again. So We're going to try Joe again. Hello? Hi, Joe. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. What happened last time? I
4: don't know. I was. I called someone right after I talked to you. They were able to hear me. So who knows? Oh,
3: okay. Well, there's so, there's something wrong. But now I can hear you. So now I'm not just on the air saying, Joe. Joe. You, yes, hello, you were talking hello?
4: about poison control.
3: Okay. Yes, I was.
4: And I know they charge you what sixty, seventy dollars to call 80, up.
3: Eighty-five.
4: <laughs> All right. I'm going to save you guys and your readers a lot of money. Okay. AKC makes a chip. Reunite it. Okay. They'll also register other chips. When you do that, I don't know what the registration fee is because I already have. I think it's like $35. Yeah, when you're,
3: so, you're talking about a chip that you scan. Microchip. Okay. Microchip. Yeah, yeah. not a potato if you re-
4: chip. If you register with them,
3: Oh, hey, Joe, let, me, let me ask you a question,
4: Joe. $20 for life, free poison
3: control. Okay, let me ask you a question. It's coming down to the half of the hour where I have to break. Do you want me to put you on hold, or are you set? You, I'll ha- be happy to put you on I hold. You, I just want to let you oh, say you just want to... your
4: Reader's money, AKC Reunited. Okay. $20 okay. for life. Uh, the other companies is $20, roughly but, $20 well, a year. But
3: will that uh, help with any kind of poison control information?
4: Yeah, you have poison control for life.
3: Oh, okay, that comes with it, like a perk.
4: For $20 oh. for life, the other oh. companies are charged around $20 a year. Even if it's not their chip, if you register to other companies' chip with them, it's $20 for life.
3: Okay, all right, well, that's a good tip.
4: AKC, reunited. all right? Okay, all
3: right. Reunite. Okay, thanks, all right. Joe. All right, right now. bye-bye. Okay, that sounded like a good tip, and we have to go to a break.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
2: Send my return
3: with glee Hello, and Both welcome back to no WTIC's Pet Talk. Uh, you're listening to the Behavior Edition of the show. My name is Lori Fass. I'm here until 2. Uh, we have Tim, who's on hold, and I'm going to get to him in one second here. I am here for another 20 minutes, and so... There is time if you would like to call in. We have the other lines open, and the numbers are 860-522-WTIC. And if you wanted to contact me but you don't want to be on the air or it's just not convenient to call in at the moment, all of my contact information is on my website, which is Training com. So, anyway, I think we've made Tim wait long enough. So, let's see if we can connect up with Tim. Hi, Tim. Hi, Laurie. How are you?
5: I'm not bad. Listen, I've called a couple times to uh, to Andrea's uh, show. Okay. Um, my my, uh, my situation is this: I, uh, I the pet rescue or cat rescue that I work with, we took in uh, two cats probably about a month ago now. Okay. Um, one, one. Uh, the owner had passed. Uh, the family that cleaned out his apartment had no idea he even had cats. Um, oh, boy. Okay. But you know, they called us and said, you know, one's a little overweight. Well, the brother is 17 pounds. Okay. The, li- the little overweight one is 31. Oh. <laughs>
3: okay. Yeah.
5: Um, and, you know, I mean, what happened is that, as the gentleman got – sicker and sicker he couldn't you know provide like he always did so he got like one of these dump feeders yeah um and one ate uh and one kind of just took care of okay so my my question is you know i mean and dr dennis has given me some great information as far as behavior as far as medical issues um behaviorally I, i have them in with a foster who's who's Wonderful, Abigail Foster. But her her comment is, you know, um, the brother, the the seventeen pounder, yeah, is like so incredibly overprotective of the big guy that it's really hard to get the big guy to eat wet food. I mean, he's not he's not quite there yet.
3: Okay. Well, what do you mean by um, the uh, the smaller one is protective of the big one? I, I'm not well. He. The the
5: little guy does not let, or or does not, like, when the big guy starts eating the wet food, the the 17-pounder will not eat wet food. When the big brother starts eating it, he kind of goes over and says, you know, like, knocks him away. Oh, we'll eat the food.
3: Okay, so he, he's just being kind of a jerk, it sounds like. I don't know if he's trying well, to protect him from the food. No, you know, he's just. He's, okay, I mean, well, let me ask he you. Doesn't, he doesn't eat the food either way. Okay, just, well, let you know, me ask you a question. Maybe. Why couldn't we. T- what are their names? So we're not saying, you know, so we can refer that to That is
5: pumpkin and, and, and butterscotch. Okay, is
3: butterscotch the big one?
5: Butterscotch is the big one.
3: Okay. If you
5: wanna really if you wanna know more about him, he has
3: he actually has an
5: Instagram page now.
3: Because, oh, does he? You know, oh, okay, okay. Were, well why can't we uh take pumpkin and just put them in, put him in a different room or put him in a crate or something?
5: Because they miss each other.
3: Well, for I mean, an truly, hour, a couple of times a day?
5: They are truly a bondage pair. I mean, well, you what happens even, if you separate I don't think, them? I don't think Butterscotch would eat I mean, I will I will try that. But I honestly don't think Butterscotch will eat without pumpkin there.
3: Okay. Well, how about if they were in a crate, like together, but with a divider, so they could see each other, or if one's in a crate and and they're both in the same room, you know. A lot of times I'll use dog crates for cats because they're big and they're open and whatever. So if uh, you know Pumpkin were in a dog crate, he can still see Butterscotch, or vice versa. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand. Or, you know, I mean, a lot of times if you put up a dog crate, I mean, I have a cat that keeps going into my dog crates. And sometimes I don't even know she's in there and I put the dog in there and close the door. (laughs) And now they're both in there. But cats, you know how they like to go into things. So if you made the dog crate you know, someplace nice, um, and maybe had a blanket over it, then there's no, if you get your cat used to it, there's no reason why they're going to freak out. If it's new, and they and you just stick them in there, then maybe they'd be like, Oh, I don't know what's up with that. But, um, you know, if you're offering food, you know, two, three times a day, and when you're offering the food, uh, you just separate them, that would be the most obvious thing to do.
5: Okay, well, I mean, you know, again, I, I was just trying to get a, a behavioral look on the whole situation, and that you know, was
3: very helpful. Yeah. I mean, cats, cats, I mean, I said, okay, maybe he's being a jerk. I mean, cats do weird things. I mean, as you know, they love to just knock things off of the counters. What is up with that? I have no idea. And, you know, cats like to just swat things sometimes for no reason. Uh, The cat that I have uh, just loves to just come up to my dogs and swat them on the head. And my dogs have different reactions to this. But, you know,
5: that's exactly why assessing dog behavior is so easy.
3: Well, it can be easier. I mean, dogs are more... I'm going to say cats are more single-minded, more, you know, they, they don't really care too much about what we think. You know, we're just some weird, stupid humans. And dogs tend to be a little more kowtowing to human be- human wishes. Not always, but yeah. very often. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of times, whenever there's a problem, you know, y- you say, okay, like I'm suggesting, why don't we, you know, have some sort of divider? And then you're saying, well, they might not be comfortable with the divider. So, okay, so that means we need to get them used to the divider. Lighter, right so right, very right. often somebody yep. will say well how do i solve this and i said we'll do that well you know we're going to have a leash on the dog for instance well my dog doesn't like a leash well let's get your dog used to a leash or, you know so right. it's not you know sometimes you can offer a solution and it's just kind of a one-stop deal you just do this and it's easy and that's it but sometimes you have to work through the actual solution because it's something unfamiliar, you know? And um, so, you know, Having some sort of divider is a very good solution for a lot of problems. And you don't have to make it some sort of traumatic thing. You know, it's like cats who hate their carrier. Nobody ever got them used to the carrier. Why should they like it?
5: Right. Like you just annoying. shove
3: them in there and bring them to the vet. So who would like that, you know? But if you can make it fun and pleasant and it's something they're used to all the time, they might not, they still probably know when it's vet time, but it's not going to be nearly as bad you know, so, right. so, you know, just to say, well, we don't want to do that because they don't like it. Well, have you tried to get them to like it or have you had to get them used to it? So I think that would be what I would do, you know?
5: Okay. Yeah. And again, we're just trying to get every angle on this because none of us, none of us in this group have ever had to deal with this. Yeah. Um, even, even my my personal vet said, I've never seen 31 pound cat. Yeah. And you know, even the, the pictures of him that I've sent to people are like, when they finally meet him, it's like, I was not ready to see this. So, I
3: mean, we, we obviously have done all sorts of vet panels to determine that. Yeah,
5: there's... no, he, he, he I, you know, why doesn't he have diabetes? I don't know. Why doesn't he have thyroid problems? I don't know. So, is He's he,
3: uh, is he um, like, what do I want to say? Uh, does he eat a lot of food?
5: Um, well, there was the problem. We, we've been trying to get him on wet food for a while he did not want to eat diet food at all. I currently have him on, um, high protein, grain, free Merrick, um, Mm -hmm. which he is eating as far as the wet food. Um, but he, uh, yeah, I mean, he, both of them have been on dry food all their lives. So, you know, that's kind of the whole problem. And I'm sure it wasn't, you know, we, we can't tell because of the, you know, the people that surrendered him didn't even know these cats. So, I mean, it might've been, you know, 100% grain food. We don't know.
3: Right. Um, How long has the cat so been into um the rescue situation here?
5: We brought him in two and a half weeks ago. I brought him to a foster 2 weeks ago. Um he's uh he's probably, you know, he's more active now than he was, um but you know, again, this foster is amazing. I mean, she understands that, you know, once he starts eating more wet food, he may need special care as far as, you know, when he litters and stuff. Because right now, I mean, on dry food, I mean, he's six years old. Right now it just drops out. I mean, there's there's nothing.
3: So you've had him into the foster situation for about a month maybe? Yeah, two and a half, three weeks. Okay. And has he lost any weight in that time?
5: Well, we're really not sure yet. I mean, she wants to pick him up and step on the scale with him. And I said, well, you know. Just give us like you know. I mean, I don't want I don't want her to get in a position where she's doing it like once a week. You know, I want her to you know, take time to see what's actually going on. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you know, we we've opened the rest of the or she's opened the rest of the, the top four to both of them. Um, she does have uh, a basset hound and another dog, which the dog the, these cats are not dog reactive at all. I mean, they're not really to say anything. Um, but, so uh,
3: are they pretty calm for the most part?
5: Oh, they're the most chill animals you've
3: ever met. Okay, okay.
5: I mean, I could introduce them to, to you know,
3: well, I mean, so if, you think you have a, if you think you have a handle on what you're feeding them and that that's going to be a good choice, and the problem is that, you know, one cat is kind of interfering with the other cat's eating, then I think you're going to have to separate them somehow. And, you know, uh, they don't, if they can't stand to not be in the same room with each other, they can be in the same room, but with a divider of some sort.
5: Gotcha.
3: Okay. Okay. And I'm curious. Hi, thank you very much. Okay, Tim. Well, thanks for calling. I'm curious uh, to find out, you know, like in a couple months from now, uh, how butterscotch is doing.
5: We are we are keeping, you know, our eye on him as best as we can. Um, you know, and I, I, I told the, I told Andrea I'll call as soon as I get him to 29 pounds, and I'm really excited by that. But and take time.
3: Okay, well, I'm glad that they have people looking out for them, and they're not in the situation they were before, so that's all good, right?
5: Yeah, no, it is good.
3: Okay, well, you know, keep me posted. It's kind of an unusual situation. And I always like to hear how things turn out. You know, it's like you're on a cliffhanger. Well, here's the problem. Here's a possible solution. What happened? A lot of times, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thanks thank, for calling. Thank my call. I'm happy to. Take care. Bye bye now. Okay, so we had just had three callers, and as I said, I'm here till 2, so I'm going to throw out the numbers one more time, 860 wtic and uh, again, 860 wtic and if you want to talk to me but you don't necessarily want to talk to me on the air, uh, you can call me or email me, and you can get all of that information from my website, which is loriefass.com dogtraining.com. So anyway, um, when I watch movies or dog TV shows, I have to say that sometimes knowing certain information or being able to see things almost ruins the show for me or sometimes it literally ruins the show for me. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm babbling on here. So I'm going to we're gonna need to take a break. And then I'm going to tell you why watching these shows makes me crazy. So we'll be right back after this. Hello, and welcome back to WTIC's Pet Talk. You're listening to Lori Fass on this behavior edition of the show. And uh, before the break, I forgot we were even supposed to have a break because I became so mesmerized about the story of uh, Butterscotch the 31-pound cat that somehow I... Just, I don't know, just took me off on another land. But before before the break, I was going to, and now I'm going to, tell you why I have a hard time watching movies and TV shows, um, having s- some information about what's really going on here. So my latest disappointment, or like what the heck am I even looking at here, is I watched on Netflix a, a movie called The Mother and starring Jennifer Lopez. And uh, she is, I think, in Alaska with her daughter. And her daughter wasn't raised with her, so they're out in the wilderness. And her daughter doesn't understand that, um, you know, you're supposed to leave the wildlife alone. And there was a wolf and uh, some very cute wolf, air quote, cubs (laughs) that she's trying to get to play with her. Well, you know, I'm looking at these wolf cubs And honestly, they looked like Shiba Inus to me. So they certainly, they were not wolf cubs, I'll tell you that right now. And I'm thinking, why are you using Shiba Inus for wolf cubs? And I suppose most people might not even notice that. Uh, But when I see a a dog breed that's supposed to be representing a, a wolf cub, you know, that kind of makes me pause for a minute and temporarily makes the movie not as much fun for me. And now I remember years ago, uh, there was a movie, I think it was called Hachi. And it was about uh, based on a true story about an Akita who was super devoted to its owner. And the owner passed away and the Akita kind of held vigil for the owner. And they were um, showing the puppy Akita. And in this movie, the puppy Akita was also a Shiba Inu. So somehow or another, the Shiba Inu in the movie transformed itself into an Akita. But, you know, if you see an animal and you recognize that that is what it is, um, it's, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know, I I suppose if you were, you know, watching, I mean, they do this with humans where uh, they show a, a kid who's obviously not the same actor as the adult but somehow you know still a human and I guess a dog is a dog but when I look at different dog breeds it'd be like oh look at the the puppy Great Dane and it's a Chihuahua and then it grows up to be a Great Dane. I mean I think most people would think that was pretty ridiculous. So if I see a Shiba Inu puppy and it somehow morphs into an Akita, that, that does not make me happy. And um, in class today, my group classes, one of the things that I was trying to get people to get in touch with is how are you using your voice and how clearly are you communicating with your dog, because if you're not, then don't expect your dog to be able to put it together uh, if, if you can't communicate it clearly. And another show that sometimes drives me nuts is a show that's on Sunday mornings, I think on CBS. Uh, called Lucky Dog and they have the seven essential commands and you know sometimes people call me do you teach the seven essential commands oh, that's from Lucky Dog okay so anyway they take the the dog the new rescue dog that's you know on death row even though it's a perfectly fine dog and they see if the dog knows the seven essential commands and when they're seeing if the dog knows the air quote seven essential commands here uh, they're speaking all sorts of scattered and mumbling and totally not clear. If you were doing that to a dog in my class, I'd say, stop that. Then when they show, oh, look it, look how the dog has learned the seven essential commands. Now, all of a sudden, uh, they've got a treat. They're using hand signals. They're speaking clearly. And I'm sorry, but... That seems a little deceptive to me, <laughs> so I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to just watch the show and not see how this is set up in slightly skewed fashion to make it seem like this dog that was not trained at all, even though you're presenting information in a horrible way, and now, look at, the dog is trained, and now you're presenting information clearly. So, you know, that's why I look at these subtle details that most people might miss and make some of these shows that have animals not as enjoyable for me as it could be. But anyway, so I guess I'm just complaining. But what can I say? Anyway, I'll be back on sometime in June. Next week will be Dr. Dennis, and uh, we'll have three shows in June. And I hope you tune in then. Thanks for
2: listening.